Curious. You would make an excellent Cephalon, Tenno. Welcome to Cephalon Squared, a Warframe community and podcast. Find out how to join the collective by heading over to our website at cephalonsquared.com. Now, here are your Cephalons, Greg and Lucas. Maftering Cephalon Collective, and welcome to episode 96 of Cephalon Squared. I'm Cephalon Greg, joined by Cephalon Lucas. Hi. Hi. I see you're uh, you're adopting our Discord's uh, greeting into the intro. I notice I've never said it on the show before, and I never said it even in Discord. I think I've never said it either. Hmm. I thought I'd surprise people. Yes, maftering is a greeting that m- many of our dif- Discord users use because we're all over the world, so it includes morning, afternoon, and evening. So we can be inclusive, everyone, except those that are sleeping. Yes, it's 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 a nice little humble way of greeting everyone on an equal term. Yeah. Also, hi works too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually just what I stick to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Hi, Lucas. You're there. Hi, I'm Greg. Here. here I am. There you are. Once again. <laughs> How's the weather treating you up north? Weather rambles. Weather rambles. Weather rambles. Weather rambles. All right, jumping into the weather rambles. Why Here not? in Ipswich, it is currently 22 degrees Celsius with a 50% humidity. Today has been just kind of comfortable. Fair enough. That's 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Actually, like it's almost perfect, comfortable numbers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my trackies and t-shirt and I'm just kind of sitting here. It's just, it's nice. I'm the same. Maybe we're twins. Twinsies. The weather's different, though. Down here in Melbourne, it's 18 degrees Celsius, 64 degrees Fahrenheit, and 50% humidity also. So it's also quite comfortable, but there's a slight chill to the air. I went for a walk with my kids and wife, of course. She she was also there. (laughs) Um, Down in Lerdeder Gorge here in Victoria, and it was freaking gorgeous. Beautiful day for a walk. Thanks, nice. Melbourne, for putting the weather on for us. It's gorgeous. Nice. I think I think after this recording, I might go for a bit of a walk myself. Do it. Do it. My body's sore now. I regret oh, that, I, I you know, it. I regret doing <laughs> healthy things because now I'm sore. Stupid healthy things. Health. Yeah. yeah. Got to live like a turtle and tortoise. Exactly. Careful out there, people. You don't want to catch fitness. It hurts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so this is a big, cool episode. We'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, people just don't even understand. Yeah, they don't understand. Amazing, this episode is going to be. Yeah, well, they yes. might understand because oh. they've probably seen the the episode name, the, the title, and they may yeah. have seen the title. <laughs> unless, unless we've been sneaky cephalons and misguided them with the title. Nah, not going to do that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get up to this week in video games and Warframe and all that stuff that goes um, above the line? Well, my computer's still being a pain in the ass, so Boom. Warframe has not been a, uh, a big thing at all this week. I have checked out the cinematic thing for Nightwave Season 3. Loving it. Love the, the um, detective vibe it gives off when you're checking out those... Uh, um, uh, what do you call them? The the scenery, yeah, stills. Yeah, the crime, the crime scene area, crime yeah. scene. That's the one. That's ah. the one. That's yes, yes. It's absolutely amazing. 
D's done a, a bang up job on it. That feels great. It feels, it, it does feel more interactive like they were aiming for. So really, really happy about that. Can't wait to actually get into some Warframe properly so I can actually dive into the rest of the Glassmaker stuff that's happening. Uh, cause I've seen screenshots and, and a little bits here and there and it looks awesome. I want to sink my teeth into it. Apart from that, still Black Desert Online, I managed to, uh, Speed my way through um, leveling up a new character in the last week. <laughs> it took me all of two days to get my newly started Berserker to level 56. So, yeah. You're good. a crazy person. I'm, I am crazy. a crazy person. I'm definitely a crazy person. I think, I think I've mapped out a way to actually make it quicker. So... Might start up a third character just for shits and gigs and see if I can smash it out at a lot quicker time. Damn. Yep. You go, girl. <laughs> I go. <laughs> I, um, what did I do? Not much. I did jump onto Warframe a couple of times this week just to smash out a few Nightwave challenges because I need to get that new ship. Oh, so, the new ship, yes. More importantly, that shoulder armor. Yeah, the shoulder armor is gorgeous. I need that too. Mm. There's lots of things I need from this Nightwave. So I've just been smashing through a little bit of just a couple of dailies and, and weeklies. I haven't gone through and got them all yet. I just couldn't be bothered, basically. I have limited time, unfortunately, and um, just squeezed in a couple of hours here and there. And it was uh, it was a bit of fun. So that was good. I actually did enjoy it. And Nightwave Glassmaker is really good, like you said. I like the feel of it. I haven't managed to collect enough of the cephalite fragments as yet because I just haven't come across the, the glass fishes or whatever they're called enough, but we'll get there. Um, I need to obviously play more. So slowly, slowly wins the race and the race will be won. I promise. Yes. Yes. See, we're already living life like, like tortoises. <laughs> Slow and steady. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> That's us. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> On the this episode front, we have got an interview with Pablo for you today. It's going wow. to be... It is wow. fun. No no, no build-up or anything? Just, oh, yeah, we're interviewing Pablo. No, no build-up. We're interviewing <laughs> no build Pablo. There you go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone in our Discord knew that was happening anyway? Yeah. Well, I don't think everybody, but yeah, I get you. It's the name of the episode, Lucas. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it'll be the name of the episode. So, yes, look forward to that. It's a lengthy one. Young Pablo does like to have a good chinwag. Uh, so we had a good chinwag with him, and it was a, a very good discussion. He tells us a lot about everything that he does. A lot about a lot. <laughs> yeah, so if you like to hear about the goings-on, uh, uh, with with regards to Warframe and how things work at DE, this is a good one to listen to. Pablo's just such a lovely guy. He's just a good human being. It's the only way of putting he it, I think. He is, yes. Many agreements. As a result, again, didn't expect it two weeks in a row, but it has happened again after a little while. Um, no beginner or advanced topics, but we promise you they'll be back soon. I'm not going to promise next week because we don't know. Uh, don't, 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 don't make promises. We're not sure we can catch. <laughs> exactly. Next week's probably going to be a dev stream, so we've got to be careful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, let's get through this. Uh, the news for this week. There's a bit, isn't there? There's, yeah, there's a little bit. There's a bit of a handful. Yeah. Okay. So, starting off, 
Brown Jack Revisited. It uh, part one is now live on all console platforms. Yay! We did mention this on the Lawcast earlier in the week, so we mentioned it again in this episode. It's uh, it's out. It's, it's available. Check it out. Go play it. Exactly, Mundo. So not not everyone listens to the to the Lawcast. Probably only about half of the listeners of the regular episode listen to the Lawcast. Probably because not everyone's gotten through everything. Um. And the other thing we also mentioned on the Lawcast was that Nightwave Series 3 is out. Glassmaker, live on all platforms. Go get it. You already knew that anyway. You probably knew both of those things, but go get your detective on. I was going to say, Do it. go get your dick on. And then I realized it didn't sound appropriate. So I decided not to say it. And I'm glad I didn't say it. But you kind of said it anyway. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say it. It would have been awkward if I did. Uh, yeah. Sure, yes. <laughs> Next up, we have a new Twitch Prime uh, bundle, and this one is gorgeous. This one is the Avia Prime armor set, which is now available to all Twitch Prime members. It looks amazing. I'm freaking excited. So just imagine the Avia set in Oregon Finery. It's gorgeous. Says the guy who likes birds. Well, Zephyr. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> My Zephyr's daughter loves amazing. birds. They're the greatest thing in the world, apparently. Yeah. That's right. Fair Back enough. off. <laughs> Back off, bitch. Ooh, guns and roses. All right. Next, the Warframe community. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about the Save the Children charity and how you could help DE raise funds for that charity. And as a collective, as a group, the Warframe community raised $15,000 for the Save the Children Save the Chimerity. Yeah. Save the Children charity. So DE celebrated this weekend with a double affinity weekend. Hopefully you were able to participate because most likely by the time you're listening, it's over. Sorry. And moving into other news that we all know and love, the TennoCon 2020 digital pack is now available on all platforms. Get a ticket to Barrow's Relay, a new war, new war orbiter decoration and emote. And 475 Platinum Plus Tenocon themed Sindana, Sigil, Glyph, Emote, and Displays. So much to give away, so much to receive. There it is. Get it. Yeah, it's a good one. Definitely. New War Orbiter Decoration. Mm, I need it. Mm. And a ticket to Barrow. Might oh, yes. as well face it, you're a ticket to Barrow. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, that mm. is it for the... The Warframe news, most of which really we pretty much already knew. So it wasn't that newsy this week, but it it happened. Hey, this week happened. It happened. (laughs) On the Cephalon Squared front, we have confirmed giveaways again. So there will be more giveaways coming soon. And especially keep an eye on our Discord this week for a platinum prize for every platform. Not massive, but every little bit helps. Words are hard. Yay. Words are hard. Words are very hard. Yes, yes. And Mothup is running another competition in our Discord. 300 Platinum giveaway for the best capture all platforms and running for the next two weeks. So jump in our Discord and get involved. And the theme is black and white. Indeed. Indeed. And if you're not in our Discord, well, no plat for you. No plat for you. (laughs) No plat for you. So, indeed. Cool. So that's the news. That's us in a nutshell. Not really in a nutshell. That's just us up until this point of the episode. Awkward. That's us in this nutshell. Indeed. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've, we've hopped into this nutshell and here we are. Okay, let's do some build up to it then, Lucas. Wow, what could be next? What could we have, have for the community? No idea. <sighs> <laughs> I am stroking my beard in consternation. Is it a bird? Or a plane? No, it's Pablo! We'll see you on the other side. Okay, everyone, we have a very special guest joining us on the show. It's been a good, well, it's almost been a year, actually, since we had anyone from DE joining us. Last time it was Megan, who joined us for our episode 50, I think it was. And today we are welcoming the wonderful Pablo Alonso from DE. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Glad to join you. I was kind of hoping that you would say that I was joining for episode 69. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, I'm just going to pretend that it is. <laughs> you can't, actually, if you want me to be honest, it's actually episode 96. So if you go backwards, okay, it is. Close enough. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll can't take have the it. real deal. Have the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. It just so happens to be episode 96. So upside down, it's still 96, but backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You are uh, you're probably a bit of a reluctant hero amongst the Warframe community, but you are uh, very well respected by the community, very well loved. So we're, we really are glad to have you agree to join us. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure. It's our pleasure. <laughs> De- definitely. Definitely our pleasure. A little bit starstruck here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably one or two people in our community that don't know who you are, Pablo. So if you'd like to give yourself a little introduction, that would be super awesome. Sure. Uh, so I've been at the for, I don't know, like almost, it's almost 10 years now. It's a long time. Uh, wow. Warframe since the beginning. Um, I started as a UI programmer, eventually, essentially UI lead of the UI team. And slowly but surely, I've been doing design stuff for a few years and Finally, last year, I kind of switched more uh, more thoroughly into design role. Ah, uh-huh, so your role is now focused on design. Uh, my official title is uh, is a senior game designer. Yeah, but I still like okay. you know when I get back to work later on today, I will be coding some UI. So you know, there's still I like <laughs> doing the whole thing. Got to do what you got to do, I guess. It's one of the things I like uh, is just that how much variety there is working on Warframe, you know, like one day I can Absolutely. just go in and start working on some programming or another day I can work on the design of some augments or whatever. So, you know, that's kind of the kind of the part I like because you kind of, I, I like to keep it fresh anyways. Well, it's also the diversity of your skill set, to be honest, because there's probably not a lot of jobs where people could walk in and do one thing one day and another thing another day. I'm a sales guy and all I ever do is sales. So <laughs> I envy <laughs> that true. of you. <laughs> I do have a question around game design. So you, you mentioned that your role now is uh, t- uh, senior game, uh, senior designer. Yep. How many how many designers can a game have, and how does that clash? How do you clash with the other designers? Who's got who has the overall say? How does that work? Uh, I think it really depends from game to game. So you know, a very common way that they do it in a lot of story driven games is 
they'll have like an overall, uh, you know, person that's overall looking to the design and the narrative design. And then they'll have uh, sort of strike teams that work on individual levels. Um, so obviously that doesn't quite work for us because, you know, we're... Um, we're like a little bit all over the place. Uh, honestly, like co comparing the structure of the E to like of any other company is almost impossible because we just work so different and so weird. Mm. Um, but generally, how how it works for us is people own certain things where they, you know, like for example, I was saying earlier, like me with augments, right? I do the augments, so there's no much, uh, there's no much more to that. If I if there's one that I think might be a little controversial or something then i'll consult with scott to see what he thinks but for the most part it's just i come up with the arguments i show it to i run it by like qa and testers and then from there i do some adjustments and that's gonna hit and then there's another guy that owns weapons for example you know so he's focused on making the weapons feel unique and new and all that and try and keep them uh, as much as possible under balance and, mm. and kind of like that. There's there's essentially people that are focused on different things. There'll be people that are focused on quests, people that are focused on game modes, uh, and then it all funnels up and to uh, Steve and Scott, which they have like final say on all those things. Fair enough. So do you do you get the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Do you have the the power, I guess, to be able to just say stuff it today? I'm looking at uh, Nova for example, and then you start looking at Nova? Or do you sort of have to run it by someone first? Uh, no, like if I, if for example, I decided I want to change, like when I wanted to change Wukong, for example, it, yep. I basically did a little write-up and then I just asked Scott, like, hey, I want to I wanna do some changes to Wukong. Here's kind of like a quick outline of where it would be. He goes over it, reviews it, and basically either gives his blessing or asks for changes and kind of from there... It's kind of how it goes. Uh, in particular for me with reworks, so far it's been, I've kind of just felt like, I, like a, you know, I've had some idea of something I wanted to do, and then I went and did it. It hasn't been like, um, I don't think I've had any that have been like, hey, Pablo, please rework X. You know, it's mostly just me having an idea and then wanting to do it. Yeah, you've done a bang-up job so far. I don't know if that uh, Aussie slang works outside of australia but it basically means you did a kick-ass job you've done real well especially Wukong. it works it, God, works. it was amazing it works Wukong's nice. rework is fantastic glad you enjoy it yeah absolutely and embers as well um everything you've done recently i think you have hit the nail on the head so congratulations not that you, you mean, yeah, you've probably that heard is... that from a lot of the community Honestly, like that's that's one of the complicated parts of, and mm -hmm. I still don't know exactly how to navigate. It. Like, you know, obviously <laughs> you, um, like right now, I just said I, I worked on the Wukong rework, but that doesn't mean I made the Wukong rework. Like, obviously, you know, there yeah, was uh, coders and designers, and you know, there there were changes to animations, and then you know, there were a whole bunch of people that worked on it. So, you know, it's just like basically as is you have like an idea and then you, it needs like a village to actually get that idea to to be anything you know true um, true true so sometimes when i like honestly sometimes when i hear like oh paulo should do all the reverse and stuff like i almost cringe because it's like <laughs> it, it really is not how it works like you know it, it really is more like a team thing and it's just that you know, you're, I'm like, I'm a face that people see and a name that people recognize, but, you know, there's like a whole bunch of people working on it and making it happen, you know? 
You're so modest. Mm, yeah. <laughs> people are, <laughs> people are throwing flowers at you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to deliver them to the appropriate people, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> that's great. That's fantastic. Um, all right. How about we jump back to the very beginning? Now, what actually got you into uh, game design originally, if you don't ask, mind me asking? So, I mean, you know, generally most people that enter uh, game development generally have like that desire to eventually do some design, right? But um, I think the route into the games industry to game design is like a very mysterious one. Like there's no real easy way to just like say, oh, I'm going to be a game designer and I'm just going to start there. You know, if you look at like most people that have done it, they've either started with like either writing or they were producers or they were, you know, like they're, you're always starting in a different place and then in, in game design. I mean, that's not always the case. Now there are some education specifically for game design that can get you there. But anyways, for the most part, you start in a different place. I always had interest in UI mainly because I really like um, I really like making things sort of from scratch. And when you're when you're going in and making like a UI screen, you're kind of starting from scratch. Like there's nothing. It's like an empty canvas, and then you sort of start forming a thing. And then once you finish the screen, it's done. And it it just it always was satisfying to me. They're always mm. slightly different, and they always have different challenges and stuff. So. Uh, that's what I always like UI because of that. So, but I always had a mind for for game design stuffs in in general. Unfortunately, D is a place where you know, again, you wouldn't expect a UI programmer to be given the chance to, you know, make your own Warframe. You know, uh, mm. but fortunately, it is that place. And um, and at some point, I was like, oh, I I would really want to make a Warframe and show got a a design and he signed off on it and kind of from there went well that, that's kind of a like is that even before i made nights I, I was already working on a whole bunch of design stuff but you know slowly you start making suggestions and fortunately there's there's people that listen and go like okay this guy knows what he's talking about and that's kind of how how i got started there now why i got started i i would say the game that most um made me think like oh shit games are you know they're, they're more than just Tetris, you know? Uh, mm. It was like Psychonauts. Psychonauts was a game for me that, that was really sort of revelatory in the sense that I I feel like, oh, it has really cool gameplay, awesome art, but it's also telling like a like an interesting story and uh, it has interesting themes and stuff that um, that resonated with me and that made me feel like, okay, this is, this is sort of, like I would love to be able to work on something like this, you know? Mm, um, yeah, that's kind of what got me, what got me started. Nice. Hmm. UI is an interesting pursuit. It's an interesting skill to have because not only do you need to understand coding, but you also need to understand design to a certain degree. What what is your background in education, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so education-wise, I, I had uh, just general game programming stuff. You know, uh, it was a, a two-year two degree. Uh, I've also been like, before I even got interested in games, I used to work in online stuff. So I would do, you know, like uh, educational websites. I worked on a lot of e-learning, mm. um, that sort of stuff. And e-learning in particular kind of really 
outlines how to how how a lot of UI works in terms of like finding a flow because yeah, how to uh, guide the user's eye and yeah that sort of thing especially because in e-learning you generally like a lot of the stuff I did was for example for teaching uh, how to use really complex banking tools hmm. um, so when you're trying to teach a, a super complex um, tool and it was complex like crazy like it was uh, a brain melting application well <laughs> you can easily imagine like an application that you use to manage all the things behind the scenes on a bank yeah, obviously okay. there's like a billion things and there's a billion different terms and a billion different numbers all over the place that if you touch things change in unpredictable ways um, <laughs> so when you're trying to teach an application like that the application that you're putting on top, so the e-learning itself, needs to be really lightweight to sort of um, kind of not not add to the burden, you know? It needs to simplify the things for you. So um, I did that for a lot of years. I did that for almost five years. So that hmm. definitely helped me in terms of, um, in terms of, of feeling um, what a user needs um, to kind of communicate. And obviously for that, we did a whole lot of research because we also did like e-learning for teaching languages, uh, e-learning for teaching speed reading, you know, the, all sorts of things like that. So while yeah. you're researching those stuff, those, those sorts of things, you, you learn a lot of like, okay, uh, how should you group things? You know, the, the, the classic is like the, the gestalt rules of how to uh, group things, how to drive a, a user's eye. And a lot of things also are, they're not exactly like, you know, a lot of, and there's not a lot of books of here's how this game UI was made, right? Like they, yeah. in, in general, there's not a lot of books about how a game is made because making a book itself takes years. Uh, <laughs> making a game itself takes years. So there's not a lot of documentation of uh, how exactly you do all the things. So you definitely have um, a lot of like, try and learn, you know? Um, yeah. If I look, for example, at, um, if I look at, for example, at a lot of games out there right now, they're, it's very clear, you can clearly see how they sort of inform each other, right? You know, yeah. when Destiny UI came out, it started influencing a lot, and now Assassin's Creed has it, and No Man's Sky has it, and, you know, a, lot of, a whole bunch of games are sort of kind of following that same sort of structure now that uh, sort of Destiny... Put in a, put in a, put in the basis. Obviously, we try to grab some of those things, particularly because for us, one of the biggest problems was um, it took a long time for us to implement controller support for screens. Mm. So whenever we had to make a screen, it was like, okay, well, save half the time at the end of making the screen just to make it work with controller. Um, wow. And a lot. So that was really complicated for us. So changing to a more to the destiny style thing really helped us sort of streamline that process um, but anyways what I what I mean to say is um, it's one of those things that you can't really just learn from one source you kind of have to just um, you have to like play a lot of games you gotta use a lot of tools because um, even like for example using uh, Photoshop, I was using Photoshop the other day. That kind of informed some decision I made on Simulacrum. You know, that's <laughs> well. that's just that's just kind of how um, 
that's just kind of how it is. You kind of have to be mindful of, okay, how do all these tools work? What are the things that are expected by a player? Um, you know, um, so yeah, it's never ending education, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. I've always been um, interested in, in UI. It's just, uh, I don't have a, an eye for design, sadly, but I just find it interesting. Appreciate that. It's also one of those things that definitely, like, I feel like a lot of a lot of players when they see it, they feel like, oh, I could I could have made this better, you know. Like that's uh, <laughs> I feel like there's a few things in, in games that, you know, probably if uh, if you ask the average player, hey, could you make this model of uh, you know this model of Garuda better, they would say no, no, I can't. But if you ask them if they could make the inventory better, they probably would say they could, you know. Uh, <laughs> So it, it just feels a little more accessible, and you kind of get um, you kind of get the impression that it's that it's sort of easy to change because they've seen a lot of grids and they've you know it's it's a, a more common thing. Generally, there's a lot of um, a lot of considerations and restrictions behind like when you're actually making it that that are not as easy to to notice. Mm. So it definitely has its complexities, um, particularly in a game that. And this is this is this has definitely been a hard sort of balance for us that I still don't don't really know where exactly the the right balance is. The making a game that someone can start playing and just use it, but also making it good for someone that uses it more like a no operating system because they've been playing for two thousand hours and you know they want <laughs> access to you know very fine refined information you know yep. um so that's that's definitely um having those two very separate crowds as um it's complicated sometimes to balance the ui to make work with both yeah definitely definitely understand so i will i think before we move on into our um patron questions i'd like to unless you've got another question on ui or pablo's background lucas uh, I did want to ask one other question. Yeah, go for it. What is uh, now out of out of all the things that you've been part of uh, with DE over the, the many years now? What is your absolute most um, enjoyable project that you've you've had a take in? Um, so you mean Star Trek, right? <laughs> <Can't think laughs> uh, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Okay, maybe that was, uh, that was a bit rough. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, undoubtedly, the the thing that had like the most impact in terms of like once we got it done, I, like I literally felt emotional every time I see it. I, I still do when when I see someone playing it now. Is the second dream right? Like, mm. like pulling that off was like transformative for the game, and I think it was also transformative for us as. Uh, as developers, you know, like it, it was definitely not something that that we were like super sure about, right? Like, it, <laughs> it's hard to imagine now, but before that, you know, there were some people that wanted story and stuff, but it was not the majority. Um, at that point, it was it felt like a risk what we were doing. Um, wow! And having had that work and be like an evolution of um, of Warframe, you know, in the way that it was. It, I mean, yeah, that, that was amazing. 
So yeah, yeah probably definitely. of all the of all the things that's probably been the one. And again, in that one, you know, I, I, I had a more of a supporting role, but um, at the same time, you know, the whole team was very very proud of how that turned out. The fact that you know we we were uh, doing the dev streams and all that, so that means we were constantly spoiling ourselves, uh, <laughs> but we managed to keep that one under wraps, um, and yeah, it paid off. That was definitely. That was definitely a special moment, and I say that. But also, like I, I also remember being sat down in the crowd at Tenocon watching the reveal of um, of um, Planes of Idolon, and literally I had tears coming down my eye because it was uh, very, very emotional. You know, so yeah, that was yeah. a big one. Oh, that was a great, great year. big one for community <laughs> and uh, developers alike. I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, that was another just sort of like big evolution of the game, you know? Um, yeah. the, having a town, having, you know, NPCs, having obviously the, the big open world, that was that was pretty huge. Yeah. yeah. It's funny to think that was three or four years ago now. <laughs> it, was a, it was a while back, yeah. Time goes and so now quickly, it feels, it? Now it feels like obviously it's part of the game, right? But there mm. was a time where that was like, what? Open world? Are you crazy? What are you, what are you even talking about? <laughs> you know? Yes, um, that was the first Tenocon I watched, actually. There you go. Yeah, actually, it was the first one I watched, too. I remember it was um, it was like 6 o'clock in the morning, and I was still in bed. And <laughs> 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 trying try not to wake my housemate up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the luck we have down here in Australia, having to get up at 3 a.m. to watch E3 presentations and things like that <laughs> oh well we do it for the love of it don't we we all love our games yeah yeah so i was saying before um before we head into our patreon patron questions to to close things out um you know not only are you one of the developers you work on the game obviously you have to play the game <laughs> in order to uh be able to understand what uh, players are sort of what issues they've got or to see flaws and things like that. How often do you get to play as a player as opposed to a developer? Um, I'd say it, it varies, but I would say I probably play like maybe six to eight hours a week, something like that. Um, yeah, that's still a fair bit. Yeah, that's that's kind of about how much I play. So it really depends on it does depend on the week because obviously some weeks you just can't do much. But uh, yeah, I play I play for a bit. I am MR twenty nine. You know, I got all the things. Uh, mm. I so yeah, I feel like I keep up <laughs> barely. You put but the I keep work up. in. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite thing like, to play? Um. I don't know. Like again, similar to how I like the part I enjoy about my work is that I enjoy doing different things. It's mm. uh, kind of similar for for what I enjoy to playing because one of the one of the great things about Warframe is like uh, it has so many different things that you can do. You know? Yeah, too many sometimes. <laughs> I would love to log in right now and play some Nightwave, but I would also wouldn't mind at all going and doing some arbitrations or going and do some Kuba leeches, you know? Like I, I would totally be yeah. up for that, doing some Railjack. I still need a bunch of intrinsics, so um, yeah. you know, I'm in. I I did a bit of all of that tonight actually. <laughs> there you go. That to me is really where um like to me that's how the parts that I enjoy playing Warframe is that there's always like 
a different thing to chase. I am a completionist player. That is kind of the, the sort of games I do like. So um, that works really well for me to, to be like, oh, uh, you know, I, I literally have a spreadsheet with my uh, my Kuba weapons and what percentages I have them at so that I can grind them up and stuff like that, you know. Uh, wow, you're a spreadsheet <laughs> user. I have a spreadsheet user, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a spreadsheet user in our community. So shout out to RavenX99, hat tip. He is. He loves his spreadsheets. God bless Excel. Well. Yeah, there's a, there's a few. There, there are quite a few actually that love the. And I started when I started playing Warframe. I had um, spreadsheets, but then I just gave up on them. I'm too lazy. <laughs> uh, I also want to mention Wushi. Uh, before we go into our our Patreon stuff, Wushi said you have the best cat posts on Twitter, Pablo. Excellent. I, I believe so. <laughs> I also agree. It's, it's the truth. Best cats. <laughs> it's the truth. They're, they're <laughs> adorable cats, which is why we created a pet paradise section in our uh, server because everyone loves share, sharing pictures of cats and dogs and all sorts of cute little furry animals. As Man, they should, as they should. Scaly. <laughs> and scaly animals. There's a bit of everything in there. It's good. <laughs> been a, been a fair bit of alligator and um, crocodile work in the last couple of days. Yeah, there has recently. <laughs> no, it's a bit that's... strange. Alrighty, let's get into the... Um, the patron questions before we let Pablo go. What do you think, Lucas? I think that's a great idea. All right. Let's do uh, it. Do you want to start? All right. So first question is from Rathok, and he asks, since uh, you were in charge of the Ember rework, what is that process like? Like, how do you decide what abilities to keep slash replace? How does balancing work behind the scene Um uh, you know that sort of stuff maybe the technical but that's the kind of stuff i uh he likes to learn okay uh well rathok actually i didn't work on the well i didn't do the ember rework i i uh, added some ideas to it but that's about it uh but i can answer your question transformed into the wukong one because i want to have more uh, more of a full perspective of what exactly i did yep. so in the case of the wukong one for example um his first ability was mostly a single target. Not a single target because the poke could hit more than one, but the poke was very hard to use for multiple targets. In general, single target abilities don't really, single target damage abilities don't really uh, contribute much in Warframe. Most people ignore them. So um, to me, that was a, a clear one that needed to go. Um, then uh, his, his Cloud, you know, which essentially just became Speedy Cloud. Um, it was similar in, in, in Notion, right? Like, what is the what is the benefit of becoming invisible or in, untouchable for a, a little bit when you're just static in a place? There's not a whole lot, right? Like, you can do more with your operator, for example. So um, it, I felt like the cloud didn't really have much of a place. And then Defy, which I still get complaints about nerfing Defy to this day. Um <laughs> Basically, that one is uh, to me was very a very passive play style of you know you essentially just had to press three and you were invulnerable or basically god mode, uh, and every now and then you just had to hide in a closet, press three and press three again to reset the energy drain, and that's <laughs> about it. So. I really don't like that. So, and you can sort of see a trend, like with with Nesha and with him, like of me removing anything that's like fully unkillable. I remove it, and I just make you unkillable, but you have to work for it. That's kind of what yeah. I 
that's kind of what I like. You know, you, you, with, you're really hard to kill with Wukong. You just have to press a few buttons versus just pressing one button every now and then, you know? Yeah. A lot of what informs that stuff is uh, the reading forum posts, uh, trying, obviously, trying the, the Warframes myself, looking at stats, you know, how in, in stats you can see how much of, um, how much an ability is used. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of like, oh, you know, shocker. If you look at Trinity's Well of Life, no one uses it. And uh, call me surprised, right? So you can see the stats and say like, okay, well, no one's using this ability. So um, it definitely gives you the opportunity to change. So what I'm hearing is you're working on Trinity? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so that that is kind of how how you decide what you're gonna change. Now, how you're gonna change it that's that's different. I do think there's um like deciding the what. I think it's it's kind of is it can be quite objective in terms of like I think most designers would come to similar conclusions of what needs changing. Now, the how it needs to change, that, that I think is where it becomes much more subjective and much more um, dependent on the designer doing it. Um, personally, I like, um, and, and you can see this in a lot of the ones I worked on, I really like uh, kits where you use uh, a lot of abilities. Uh, I like kits with uh, self-sustainability. Um, I like things that you can you can feel good when you use them as in like you use them at, a, at the right time and they gave you better results sort of in the case of Wukong like the Fi that if you use it at the bad time you get 50 armor is there a yeah. good time you get 1500 armor and you nuke the whole room right so yeah and those are like those are, those are just more subjective things that you that will come down to sort of like your your predilections as a designer um and yeah, sometimes it works out. Sometimes uh, you end up with a, a cloud so fast that now everyone just runs captures in 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Uh, actually, what, what you did with Defy was magic. It's it's really good. I, I'm a big fan of Wukong. I think you did a great job. Oh, the team. You and the team of people who fixed Wukong. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Did a very good job. <laughs> Hopefully, at least that's the one message I can pass on. <laughs> exactly. Um, Raven, Raven's next. His question, you pretty much have already answered, actually, so I'm going to twist it a little bit. So the question he actually asked was, you are or you were originally a UI designer. How did you get involved in the game design side of things and why are you so good at it? The, the way I'd like to twist that is, can you remember a point where you were pretty much only working on UI and you were given an opportunity to move into something different. Was there a point where that changed or were you always a little bit doing a bit of everything? So uh, definitely during Star Trek, it was all UI. Uh, same mm. with um, same with the Darkness 2. That was uh, uh, just UI. And it wasn't even UI design. It's just UI programming. Um, okay. So just by virtue of that I've always had like a design predilection, I, I ended up in, in Warframe kind of leading the UI team, which doesn't mean that I'm the, the UI designer. I'm still the UI programmer, but I kind of lead the team in terms of like what everyone should be working on. And, you know, I, I do have like, you know, I do review what people do even on the design or the programming side. Um, in terms of how I switched to, um, to the um, design proper, um, 
wasn't it like Adi is not like someone will like no one will come to your desk and go like hey uh, you know hey programmer why don't you try doing the design for you know some months <laughs> like that's not really a thing it was more like I always had certain things so you know I would give feedback on things that I, I believe should be changed and giving rationales of why I thought it would be changing and you know I guess you know the, the way I like to whenever I, I, I feel like something needs to be changed, I generally try and do like pros and cons and I try to look at it from every angle. And I feel like that sort of approach kind of showed um, Stephen Scott that basically, you know, I, I obviously had some some good understanding and some good insight into the design of Warframe. And from there I started doing things. It, it, it was small things at the beginning, you know, I like, I think the very, very first change, maybe, I don't know, like I'm bad at uh, at time. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> I never know when things happen exactly. I think the very first change that I suggested and got into the game was the removal of uh, abilities as mods. I think that was the very first one. Um, so that was really cool for me, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know, I gave him like a whole uh, rant about build variety and how... People ended up doing just like frost with one ability and things like that, and that that took a lot away from the fun of the game. Um, and yeah, they, they they agreed with me, and that I think that was probably the very first um, the very first change that went in. And then after that, it was like more changes like that. Um, I got involved in a few systems like Simaris and stuff like that, um, the Curious collection. And that that sort of stuff um, until eventually it was the more formal thing, which was eventually when I wanted to do my own my own Warframe uh, with Nidus. So yeah, that's kind of how it evolved. It's not a common path. I wouldn't say like this is a. <laughs> I, I I don't know that there's a lot of UI programmers that ended up being uh, game designers. Maybe <laughs> I don't know, um, but uh, it worked for me. So yay. <laughs> yeah, <Nice>. well <laughs> wow all right next question is from danathan and he asks i'm curious what uh, the experience working for de during the pandemic has been like are there any things that you would like to work on in the game that you can't right now due to the quarantine um well it is uh so there's practical stuff that is not like the most convenient like for example, the the way I'm essentially I'm working on my computer at work, even though I'm at home. So the the actual computer I'm using is the one that's at work. So because of how I connect to it, there's certain things that I cannot. You know, the frame rates are lower, uh, and it, it you know since a lot of design is feel, uh, that's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, so yeah. sometimes I'll have to like the the developer build that we have that has lower frame rate for me. So if, sometimes if I want to test something that's with feel, I have to wait for uh, uh, one of our like test cluster builds to come out. And that one I can play directly so I can have full frame rate and, and stuff so that I can really kind of see how it feels. So those sorts of things are annoying. Uh, honestly, I think um, as an industry, you know, game development, we, we're pretty lucky that that is not that hard to adapt to switching over to the to the work from home style it does have its downsides but you know compared to other industries like obviously we're we're in a really really lucky situation um 
And then me personally, I don't have kids, so that definitely, I, I from what I've seen, that's really the the main impact to people working in DE that basically, yeah, <laughs> if you have kids, I mean, absolutely you have to take care of them, right? So just uh, it, so it's totally understandable, so, so they say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that's probably one of the, well, the hardest one. I do miss, um, you know, the... There's certain things that sometimes are, we do a lot of the work, even when we're at the DE offices, a lot of our work we do through text chat. So we have like hmm. Slack and we have chats there and basically someone will ask me a question and I'll just respond there. But I would say there's like 15% of things that generally I would, if I see the text chat is not going quite well, I would be like, hey, Swing by my office. Let's let's chat this chat this out and let's figure it out. I would say there's like a fifteen percent of that, um, and I do miss that because uh, like I the other the other day I was like drawing these super complex diagrams trying to explain things over text. You know, just in <laughs> Photoshop doing my math my math skills to just kind of show them everything I was thinking, um, and you don't quite. Um, you don't quite know if there if it is communicating properly, you know. Uh, I, I I literally had one the other day where I had like a twenty minute discussion or chat with uh, with someone trying to figure something out. In the end, it turned out we were both saying the same thing, just in different ways. Uh, and I'm sure we would have solved it in two seconds if we had just spoken face to face. But you know, in chat, it just kind of it's a lot of the times it's kind of hard to read. Um, to read like intent and kind of understand like are we what are we talking about exactly yeah it can be a bit like wow. that <laughs> That's great. but overall i would say that you know we're definitely some of the lucky ones um you know obviously no one no one went unscathed on this this thing as as mentioned in the last depth stream obviously one of the big losses is uh, the cinematics right like that's mm. you know with no um with no motion capture you know so, you know, but um, you adapt, right? Like even before we went in on the on the work at home thing, once it became clear that it was going to happen at some point, we just didn't know when. Like it was very clear for us that we needed to to pivot to to make it work. You know that that the that our ambitions for like our original ambitions were not going to be possible. So. But we still could do some cool stuff even even without that, the, even if it wasn't that same thing, right? Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And, and the stuff you've released or the team has released over the last, even the last week has been phenomenal. So Glassmaker is fantastic. Glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's really good. We have three more questions. So just letting you know how many more there are. This one is potentially a big one. So see Ooh. how you want to answer it because it's it's highly involved. So this is from Coyote PX, and he runs the project management operation for his company. So he's curious how a game development company approaches project framework, and he's wanting to understand the project management aspect of a planned release from concept to design, development, test, and release, and who makes the final decision. So like I said, that is a massive question, uh, <laughs> and I don't expect you to go into everything, uh, all aspects of that, but if you can give us a brief overview of project management for a release. Yeah, so um, similarly, uh, something I was saying earlier, it's very hard to compare the to other 
game developers because that that sort of cycle that he describes there it's actually mm. very common in other in other game companies i for example i worked on a on one of the fifa ea games mm-hmm. and that has a very structured sort of uh release thing like that so it's a you have this sort of schedule where where they're they're like the faces of the thing. When do you by when do you have to have uh, a work of, uh, a playable demo of the game? Uh, by when do you have to have um, you know something? They, they literally have a, a, a two month period that's called funding, where you add the fun <laughs> to it. Like that's literally what it's called. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, and then they have certain set dates of like. No one goes home today until we have zero A bugs. A bugs oh, is wow. like the highest level of bugs, so it's literally you stay there until there's zero A bugs, and then the next morning, you know, obviously QA will find more, and you repeat the process like that. And you have to have, I think it was like you have to have a consecutive period of seven days or something like that with zero A bugs at the end for them to consider it good for release. Um, so there's like a lot of like. I think in a project like that, in a project like like EA making FIFA, obviously there's there's a lot more structure to how they do those things. Mm. Um, uh, that's not the case at D. <laughs> at D, obviously, <laughs> you know, for starters, it the the project is never done, right? So yeah, of course, the project never ends, and generally, like I. Sometimes people ask me like about design and how do you come with like the best design or something, and I always tend to say like there's no such thing as a perfect design. Like you, you literally you never finish it. Like you, I could I could still be reworking uh, Wukong right now. Like if I wanted to, like there's still things that I'd be tweaking and trying, and you can iterate forever. Um, so mostly you just at some point it's kind of like that saying that art is never finished, only abandoned. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I think it's similar for design. So, uh, in a, in a more in a more uh, standard product where you would have that funding time, where <laughs> you could say like, okay, well that's, that's it. You have two months to try and find the fun, uh, and hopefully you do. If you don't, this is shipping. You know, um, mm. we we just don't we just don't do that. You know, sometimes we don't find the fun and we move on to a different part of the project you know uh, for example the, the, with the leeches you know the the whole concept of uh, having sort of a nemesis style thing you know we wanted to do that like i don't know it was like almost two years ago three years ago i don't even know uh we made a prototype we tried it out and we didn't like it and uh, no. what, what did we do instead of just saying like oh okay, well it's not fun but let's just put it out we said no let's let's just put it in a drawer and you know if we at come some point think of something that we like, we come back and we we do it, you know. Um, so does it, obviously it has its ups and downs in terms of like you know um, delivery dates. That means delivery dates can be pretty fluid, and you a lot of times you just don't know because <laughs> again you might you might just not like it, you know, or you yeah. maybe once you try it you go like no, you know what this is not. Um, this is not as as fun as I thought it would be. We need to rethink or whatever. Um, and sometimes also like uh, we we do tend to feature creep a lot, right? In a, in a normal <laughs> game, again going back to the FIFA thing, you would never feature creep. You'd come up with what you want to do in the first month, and what you decided then is what you're gonna stick with for the next year, and that's that. 
for us, you know, for example, Protea in theory should have been out by now, but we decided to, oh, we want to do a quest this time. So, you know, uh, that's super cool that we're going to have a quest, but it also means that Definitely. now we actually have to make a quest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no way. <laughs> so that's kind of the, that's, that's the two sides of, of it. I think for us it works, but I, I do I do believe it's um it's a it's a very hectic way of working. It's it probably wouldn't work for every every developer company out there. It's just mm. something that fortunately works for us and you know, we're very you know, like we could decide in two weeks to switch to to start working on something new because we well not in two weeks because Tenocon is close, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you know, it's not hard for us to decide. Like, hey, would be cool to work on this, and then we literally one week later we start working on it. You know, mm, um, yeah. So that's kind of so uh, to his question, um, <laughs> in terms of how the the project management works. Uh, it's a mess, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> it but it's uh, it, it is a mess by design, though. It's a it's a mess that uh, that is more focused on getting something we really like and we care about out there versus um, matching dates. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure for some people, maybe they would prefer a more standard. You know, uh, you know, this is when the new. Fortnite uh, season pass comes out and they would like it us to be more like that, right? Where um, mm. where we always kind of deliver at the same in the same intervals. Um, and we also love to deliver in the same intervals, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you know, someone thought it would be cool to add a, an adventure detective game to the middle of Nightwing. <laughs> sure. You know? Like, <laughs> uh, it, it is crazy, but uh, it is crazy, but some of it would be cool, and I, I agree that it's very cool. So, <laughs> you know, we did it. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it, it has its ups and downs. It definitely not... Uh, it, it doesn't... It's not lost on us that there's a cost to be paid for the way we we work, but we also think that that is the that that sort of energy, that sort of um, instinct, is kind of what has brought a lot of the really cool things to the game. That probably wouldn't be there if we had just been safe and said like, okay, well, what do we do? We release a warframe every two months and a weapon every week, and that's our life from now on. You know? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The game might not have survived with that kind of um, with that kind of approach. The idea of a organized mess works. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. especially with Warframe. There's only two questions left. The last one is kind of a joke one, and it's really easy. So this is the last. This is kind of the last <laughs> question, really. The last Definitely serious last. question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me brace myself. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right, this one's from Grave D, and he asks: Is there a continuing plan to move forward uh, toward function over form with UI design? What are some examples in the works? Um, so I'm gonna answer with a yes and no. Like the whole form versus function thing is is similar to what I was talking about earlier about the. You know, for for some for some players, this is this is more of an operating system. You know, mm. one example I I usually think about is, for example, our color picker. You don't see a lot of games out there that have like favorite colors on their color picker, 
Uh, and then on top of that, a lot of people started asking for the ability to reorganize their favorite colors <laughs> in the color picker, right? So I don't know. Like I, I, I would not be surprised if we're the only game in the world that has the ability to rearrange your favorite colors in your color picker. I didn't um, know you so, could do that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you can drag them around. Uh, Interesting. But, <laughs> which is to say that uh, at some points the um, the UX thought process needs to be more similar to the UX of a tool versus the UX of a game. Um, and that's, I think, for a lot of players that have been playing for a long time, they would prefer it if it was organized more like a tool than a game. Mm. But at the same time, when you make a tool, uh, generally you are expecting some expertise from the player to or from the user to actually use a thing similar to earlier when we were trying to figure out how to get the the mono recording on audacity you know <laughs> it's not the sort of thing that would be like right there in front of you you know mm. it's like a thing you have to like look and know where it is um yeah. that sort of expertise is is uh, expected of you when when you're using a tool it's not expected from you when you're using a piece of entertainment so for us, we really have to find that that balance where where we have to say, okay, well, do we want the screen to be essentially the wiki, or do we want it to be more about the fiction of a you know a dragon spitting fire? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think if um, I think if I made um, a, a poll in Reddit, <laughs> they probably say no, 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 just put the wiki in there. Um, yeah, and it's so you know, and I do I do want to hear their voices, and I do obviously we, we have been trying to add more data in there, but at the same time for us it is important to try and keep it to what is Warframe about? Like what is what is the actually I saw this a lot when there was a whole uh, UI uh, UI thing with the um, like the post I made and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I, I see that I saw that was very interesting is someone was saying that the most important thing in Warframe was um, that it was a very numerical sort of thing that you had to work with all the upgrades to find your optimizations and all that sort of thing. And I vehemently disagree with that approach. I, I think Warframe is more about its setting, is more about the the, the art style. That uniqueness of Warframe is really what makes it the game it is. Um, mm. And I think even if you look at like that uh, informal poll that Steve made the last year, um, the ability, uh, like customization of abilities and stats and stuff like that, like how important it ranked between the things. I, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but I do remember it wasn't like at the top. At the top mm-hmm. was things like, you know, like the, the lore, the fashion, the setting, the, you know, the story, yeah. like that sort of, those are the sort of things that really sort of matter much, matter more, sorry. So now we need to find obviously a balance again between the, the two things as much as we can, because uh, they, they are kind of contrary to each other in, in, in some ways. Um, so you know, like I think, for example, if you look at a screen like the Ayaten screen, you know, you can say, well, you're wasting half the screen on just a 3D model of the Ayaten. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need that. I already know what they look like. Just take that out of there and just give me a full grade of the thing. 
uh, and that is true. But at the same time, uh, do you need more grid space for the Ayatans? You don't. There's not that many Ayatans. You can actually already see them all on half the thing. Hmm. Similarly, for uh, end of match, the new one that we showed at some point, um, the top half of the screen is used on showing the the warframes. And similarly, you can say, oh, why, why show me that? Just take that off so that I can see uh, all the progression of my items and every single item I got. I'd, I'd wager that for the most part, uh, on a single mission, I think our, our progression thing fit like, I can't remember exactly right now, but uh, last I thought, I think it was like six things or something like that. Most of the time when you're leveling things, you'll have like, you know, a Warframe, maybe two guns, maybe a pet. Let's say you're increasing some syndicate and then you're getting uh, some focus, right? That's six things that you can see at a glance. Mm. If I expand that to 12, most of the time, all you'll end up seeing is a half a grid that's empty, right? Like most of the time you wouldn't see a ton of things. You guys play, you, you guys know you're not leveling six yeah. items at once at the same time that you're getting like, all the other stuff. Yeah, like you, you're just fair. not. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, I think there is a balance to be found. You can also say like, for example, okay, well, I can't see all the items at once. And sure, again, that, that is correct. Do you really care how much Rubido you got? You probably don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, you maybe you do. If you do, we did have we do have the option for you to sort of expand that grid to see it all. My bet you is that most of the time. Man. Yeah, no, but it, they're they're very reasonable. Hmm. I, I do think they're reasonable requests. It's just uh, you you gotta think it on the context of of. Um, on the context of our different sort of uh, player types, you know, which essentially yeah, is like and which is most you know, appropriate and where's the balance. Yeah, and honestly, we're still finding that 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 place, right? Uh, mm. We're still every now and then we'll we'll poke at it and and try and figure it out. But to the original question of uh, will you now focus on form versus balance? I don't really think a, a sort of a binary thought like that really works. Uh, in anything that's designed, almost any creative endeavor, I would think, um, sort of nuances what it sort of comes down to, and it it just there's no there's no this is the answer always uh, for for a thing, you know. For the most yeah, part, yeah. you have to like think it over and think like, okay, well, what is it that um, what is it that this particular uh, piece of UI is trying to do? Uh, does it need to be? Very data driven, or does it, or is it fiber to be like a little more fiction based? You know, like where where does it need to land, right? Like I, I wouldn't, like we don't need to have um, as a screen where you're just adjusting your settings. Doesn't need to have like something uh, crazy filled with flavor. But for example, in that one, we put your warframe on the side. We can't take it off, but all we achieve is basically the same column that's right now on the left. Now we center it. But yeah. You don't need wider settings, so you know you kind of have to think on like um, what you're what you're adding and why you're adding it, and hopefully you can find the right balance there. Uh, but it's definitely not like a black and white. Um, you know, are we now a company about form or are we now a company about, uh, yeah. about uh, <laughs> function? You know, like that's yeah, just yeah. not. Uh, you can't choose one or the other. There's a gray area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. 
I did not expect that we would take up this much of your time. So, so thank you so much for answering all of these questions. We do just have a couple of quick ones left. So the That's last, okay. it's mostly my fault because I rant a lot. I am a ranter. <laughs> That's all right. We, we do the same thing. <laughs> it's all good. We love it. In fact, we love the rant. Um, Implosive MKV asks, why hasn't Cephalon Squared been made the official Warframe podcast yet? And can you become our biggest fan internally and start calling for Warframe, for Cephalon Squared to be, you know, part of the game? I mean, I'm using all my resources with the community team to try and get myself a glove. Also, I'm in my own, uh, I'm my own battle for for a glyph of my cats in the game. Uh, you know? We've got a Pablo emoji in our Discord server. We'll share that with you a bit, a bit later. <laughs> Interesting. Well, if yeah. I'm ever victorious at getting uh, glyphs for my cats in game, then I will switch into the battle for. For making you the official podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to help you with the cat thing. Got it. <laughs> Understood. All right, Lucas, the last the and most begins. important thing. Yes, the very, very, very important question. Our viewers have come to expect uh, a standard um, in our podcast, and it's very important we uphold that standard. So I'd like to ask you, Pablo, right now, how is the weather? <laughs> the weather is uh, probably terrible. It looks very gray outside. Let me let me check. And so this is the thing about being locked up. Oh, it's actually raining. See, since, since I'm locked up, um, <laughs> there was this. Um, who's this comedian? I can't remember which comedian had a joke about uh, the weather is great as long as you stay inside, basically. <laughs> and that's that's what I've been doing. So you know, the weather is the same as it was yesterday. It's just. Uh, the, the drab walls of an apartment and <laughs> no, <laughs> no sunshine. And it's never it's never no rainy, light. it's never cloudy, it's never sunny when yeah. you're inside. It's always the same. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> um. Beautiful. Nice. Very nice. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the show. We really, really, really appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to say to the community before we let you go? Uh well, not uh, just keep on enjoying the game. Hopefully, you know um, you'll like the the surprises we have coming soon. TM, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> soon TM, and, and I'll like I'll see you Prime out there soon. in the solar system. Awesome! Nice. Excellent. Thank you very much, Pablo. Thank you very very much. Have a good one. Adios. That was awesome. Pablo's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Super awesome. Indeed. Super stoked. That was that was that was a good time. Mm-hmm. I miss him already. I, goes, I do too. I think it goes right up there with you know in our in our definitely our top three best uh, episodes. Best episodes. Oh, it hasn't even finished yet. Yeah. That's a big call. No, it hasn't <laughs> finished yet, but you know it, it's it's up there. It's up there. It's definitely a good one. I agree. I agree. I was just being a smarty pants because I, I do that. <laughs> it's how I deal with, I don't know, inadequacy. <laughs> I made myself sad. <laughs> anyway. But on another, on another note, folks, <laughs> help Pablo get his cat glyphs. Oh, of course. Yes. He needs to get his cat glyphs so that we can become the official podcast. He promised. Yep. He promised. It was a, it was a, it was a solid promise. <laughs> Not just a joke. <laughs> 
thank you very much to Pablo for joining us on the show. It was a great time. Indeed. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And of course, to the community team at large for helping to uh, organize that, particularly to Marcus. Thank you very much. Yes. Alrighty. Um, what time is it, Lucas? What, what are we up to? Community call out. Community call out. I don't know why I went there. I just did. <laughs> I nice. just did. I felt it in, in my blood and I just knew I had to go there. All right. We've got, a, we've got a reviews update. Not so many new reviews across uh, iTunes or anything like that, but we did get one new CastBox review, which made me excited because, hey, it's CastBox. Go CastBox. Yay. So we're Yay. up to 120 reviews. And would you like to read out that new CastBox review, Lucas? I shall. This is a CastBox review from... Mergen Winsome. 20 stars. You guys are the best. 20 stars. What are we going to do with the star surplus, Lucas? Whew. Um, cookies? It's quite a bunch of extra stars. <laughs> yes, we'll put them into our cookie mix and we'll bake, bake an extra special batch. Yeah, star cookies. Thank you, Mergen Winsome. We, we do appreciate it. And Lucas is the best, definitely. I try. <laughs> it's a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of effort to, to be this good, he says. Fair enough. Uh, what was I going to say? Yes, again, once again, we're out of reviews. No backlog. Throw us a review. Give us a backlog. We love a backlog. Mm-hmm. Tasty mm-hmm. backlog. All right. Before we do head off for the week, we do have a Dr. Cephalon. It's an interesting question, one that was answered uh quite well (laughs) in discord but it is one that i wanted to bring up because i hadn't thought of it and i think it's a good point so i just wanted to see what lucas's thoughts were you ready lucas bring it spitting it at you here we go hit hit me hit me with your best shot hit me with your best shot this is from implosive mkv dear dr cephalon with the primary kick guns this will be the first time we can use a ribbon in two different weapon slots do you think they'll allow two kick guns to use the same ribbon at the same time? Mm. I think that this may start off as a bit of an oversight. Mm. And to begin with, we may, um, simply for the fact that they have, well, they are working to change um, Sentinel's uh, slot, uh, Sentinel mods back to, you know, you can use them regardless of whether or not it's already placed in something else. Took you a really long time to say something very easy there. Are you okay? Did you have a stroke? Uh, I, I am okay. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> just words, words are hard. Brains, I do brains feel you on constantly, that one. Brains constantly just like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it did a backflip on that one. It was good. It did, mate, <laughs> did a backflip and then freaking cartwheel and then like swan dive. It's, yeah. <laughs> Shit, shit's getting crazy up there. Right. Got there in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think it will be an oversight due to the fact they are changing that over so that there will be uh, mods that can be shared between multiple things. And I, I I, think that it will be stamped out very, very quickly. Um, If we are able to do such a thing, I give it a week before it's stamped out, maybe even less, um, because that would be completely broken. Yeah, especially because if they are primary kick guns, and we know that the chamber is going to be the the one thing that is across both primary and secondary kick guns, that means that the other components, the grip and the loader or whatever it's called, 
those two components are going to be different for primaries, which means they'll have different stats. So therefore, you'll have a Riven that can affect two separate weapons in two different ways. So maybe it's just going to be that they're going to figure out the stats in such a way that what works for a secondary Riven might not work for a primary Riven, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Now, see, this is one of the great things about modular weapons. When you receive a Riven, you can build the modular weapon around said Riven. And yeah, if they if they build <laughs> if they if they make this system where you either get a, one that really benefits having a primary uh, body to it, or you get one that has a really good setup for a secondary, you can literally build your weapon to fit the specifications. Yeah. So in that case, if that's the way it works, it might be okay because. You've really just got to build it one way or the other. And if you're happy to build it so that it's sort of so-so across both, then you can use two kick guns of the same ribbon at the same time because yeah, it's not going to be massively overpowered. Maybe. I don't know. But like Lucas said, I think it's going to come out. It might have been an oversight and they'll probably go, oh, shit. And they'll have a fix. Or they've, they've already thought of it, perhaps. And there already is a fix and we just don't know about it yet. Perhaps. But I mean, bug frame. Bug frame, exactly. This is what we love about the game. <laughs> so, very interesting question. I don't think there's an answer for it just yet, but uh, I did want to bring it up because it's it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> That's all I can say. Interesting things are interesting. That they are. That they are, Lucas. You are a conundrum wrapped up in, I don't know. Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but my brain wasn't clever enough to say what it wanted to say. It just sort of stopped. Conundrum ah, wrapped in bacon. I'm I was going to say you're confusing. a conundrum wrapped up, wrapped up in an enigma, but my brain just didn't go that way. It just decided to go, conundrum was hard enough. There, there, stupid. I am a conundrum so. wrapped in bacon. I am delicious and confusing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I can only assume so. Anyway, <laughs> that does bring us to the end of episode 96 slash 69. And <laughs> thank you again, Pablo, for making us chuckle. If you'd like to get in contact with us, uh, us for any reason, as you know, head on over to cephalonsquared.com. It's got our links to our Discord, Facebook, all those wonderful things. Of course, if you do want to join our Discord so that you can become part of or you can enter the competition, that is the place to go, cephalonsquared.com. You'll get the invite link there. Uh, if you do want to come to the Discord so that you can just get a glyph, note that you will have to answer questions from now on because we've had too many glyph hunters and I keep thinking to myself, are these guys even fan of the show? Are they even part of our community? We want to keep the glyph within the community. Do they even love us? Do they even love us? Heartbroken. <laughs> so yeah, we, we'd rather give the gift, the glyph to the the gift of the glyph to the community. So yeah, if you do want a, a glyph, feel free to join our Discord and ask for a glyph. But just note that you might be asked questions. But if you've listened this far into this episode and you listen to other episodes, you'll probably be able to answer the questions. So no stress. Anyway, let's say thank you to our patron folk. Sure, let's just do that. Thank you, Ratha. Thank you, Woe is Joe. Thank you, Jellybug1799. Thanks, Sula. Thank you, Lord Frizon. Thank you, Danathan. Thank you, Knight Rider8503. Thanks, Coyote PX. Thank you, Jackson31. 
Thank you, Kintail. Thank you to our newest Patreon, Le Dutch Master. Thank you, Implosive underscore MKV. Thank you, Dylan Braun. And thank you, Solarian. Yay! Indeed, thank you to these people. And keep in mind, those of you that are at the Become As Gods tier, and if you are a fan of the game, you'll know that that actually came from Near Automata and is not a, a Warframe reference. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> You also can challenge us every month, and there's been a couple of months that we've gone without challenges, mainly due to coronavirus, well, not really due to coronavirus, but what's your name? Lucas. Lucas's computer being all stuffy uppy. (laughs) My computer's suffering from coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah, your computer is. (laughs) But actually, if there's any Aussies out there that work for Harvey Norman, hit me up. Because I've been waiting two weeks and no no response on my order to fix Lucas's computer and I want it done. I'm not crying. Lucas is crying. Okay, I'm definitely crying. Anyway, <laughs> I'm better now, <laughs> I guess. That's good. Got that out of your system. Went down like a lead balloon. All right. <laughs> my name is Greg Newbigin. I am Mad Capsules all over the shop. Who are you, Lucas? I am Lucas Silvestri and I am Silverlight all over the interwebs. S-I-L-V-R-L-G-H-T. Our community is awesome. What more can I say? Probably nothing. Not really, no. I mean, you guys you guys should know that you're amazing. And yeah, I, I don't need to prove it. You guys prove it all the damn time. There you go. He said other things. So thank you I also to Yarn at Disco underscore box on Twitter for the intro and outro. We love you. And I do want to cuddle up against you at night when you to keep me warm because your voice is silky smooth. That's it, isn't it? I guess yeah, we've, wow. yeah next week, like well, we're just starstruck still from Pablo. So our heads are spinning. We don't know what to say. Yep. It's just been one of those episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pablo. Wow. Thanks, Pablo. We're Cephalon Squared. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cephalon Squared. If you'd like to contact us, reach out via our website at cephalonsquared.com, where you can find us via email, Facebook, Twitter, or Discord. But don't fret. There'll be more Cephalon Squared in a few short days. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.